Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent, it was senseless, and I will never understand it, I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson, and unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. A Gentle Thief, written and performed by Amanda Dixon. Episode 10. In Episode 9, attorney Sophie Brownlee goes with her boss, Rick Day, to Salt Lake City to meet with the medical examiner, Dr. Verdad, to ask him if he will change the death certificate of Maddie, Madeline Johnson, from suicide to homicide. They make their best arguments, and they find that Dr. Verdad is very familiar with this case, that he's been approached several times before, and he is about up to here with the case of Madeline Johnson. And after making their best arguments, Sophie makes the mistake that lawyers are told never to make. She asks a question she does not know the answer to. That's what happened in Episode 9. And now, Episode 10 of A Gentle Thief. December 23rd, 1983. Monday morning. Maddie promised herself this would be the week she found her voice. She dressed for work without incident, easing into clothes that had become a little loose. She toasted bread and didn't bother with jam. She did not feel hope exactly, but truth nearby. Then the phone rang. I made us an appointment to see a counselor, Khan said after her hello. Oh, okay. She sounded a little surprised. They had only talked about going to see a counselor the Saturday before. When did he have time to find a psychologist and make an appointment? I thought we agreed to go. He was defensive. Khan had two moods, self-absorbed and defensive. We did, we did, she repeated. I'm just surprised you lined it up so fast, that's all. It's tonight at six o'clock. Shoot, she sucked in her breath. Maddie was remembering that she had promised to stay after school with Eduardo, and she didn't want to rush him after putting him off last Friday. What? Con whined. I promised Eduardo I'd stay with him and go over his work after school. I told him we'd take as long as he needed, and I'm just not sure how long that's going to be. Well, you've got from 3 until 5.45. Shouldn't that be long enough? Con pushed. It should, yeah, it should. Cool, then I'll pick you up at 5.45. Why don't you give me the address, and I'll meet you there, just in case I get delayed. Look, just tell me now if you're going to blow this off, okay, and I'll cancel it. 
Khan said. No, don't don't cancel it. I'll be there. I just want to give Eduardo all the time he needs. Eduardo, do you take three hours after school with your girl students, too? Oh, that is so gross. Don't even insinuate a few more minutes with that kid is not going to make any difference. Your sense of your own importance in your students' lives is a little elevated, I think. Are you suggesting I try to have less of an impact in their lives? She knew better than to let herself get dragged into this conversation. It's work, Maddie, okay? I'm suggesting you put your primary relationship in front of your job once in a while. I'll be there. Don't worry, Maddie finally responded a little too sweetly. Just tell me where to meet you. Her name is Dr. Theron. Her office is on 5th West and 2nd North. Gina recommended her. The sound of the name Gina felt like a bee sting, small but painful. The blonde you were with Friday night? We're going to see the shrink your drugged-up girlfriend sees? Oh, that's, that's rich. That's just rich. Now, Maddie was the one feeling defensive. She's not my girlfriend. I told you that. She's just a troubled soul. Besides, she told me about Dr. Theron a long time ago. She's been seeing her for a couple of years. It doesn't seem to be doing her any good, Maddie jibed. You know, if this is going to be your attitude, I'm not sure why we're even going. You know, she answered with exaggeration, mimicking him, I'm not sure either, but I seem to remember you're begging me to go not 48 hours ago in this very living room after you were out all night long at a party you uninvited me from. I wasn't at the party all night long, Con rebutted. That's not the point. He was so exasperating. Maddie took a deep breath and thought to end it right there on the phone. This relationship was starting to feel like watching infomercials about cleaning products and collapsible ladders in the middle of the night. She sat with the idea of breaking up with him for just a moment. Then she felt a tightness in her chest like she couldn't breathe and pushed the thought from her mind. My attitude is open, Con, she conceded too quickly, the weakness returning like oxygen filling her lungs. I'm willing to try to understand why we hurt ourselves. Isn't that what you said? You said Saturday morning that you've never hurt me, that I only hurt myself. And I said I was willing to figure out why I do that. If this woman can help, I'm open. That's all I'm promising. Maddie sounded a little stronger. She checked the clock above the dining room table. All right, good. And can you pay for this first session? Because I'm a little short this week. He asked without shame. Yeah, sure. She felt like concrete. With that, she grabbed her backpack and headed out the door for school. The air was cold and clear and gripped her at the temples. She had the sense that she had forgotten something important. What was it? She checked her day planner, nothing out of the ordinary. She turned on the radio. The talk was of Christmas sales and New Year's Eve parties. What was she forgetting? Maybe it was nothing. She stopped at Lynn's for some Christmas cookies for her students. She would make this day special for them. Getting back in the car with two large boxes of iced Christmas trees, wreaths, and Santas, it hit her. There was no school today. What was she thinking? It was Christmas week and the kids were out all week. Wait, no. Was it really December 23rd? She flipped open her planner again. Yes. How had that not occurred to her? How had she forgotten the Christmas party she had for her students the Friday before? Did she stop here three days ago and get the same cookies? No, no, she had baked cookies for the kids Thursday night and let them ice them themselves Friday afternoon. It was coming back to her now. Oh, no, what about Eduardo? She had promised to meet Eduardo after school today, but there is no school. 
She felt mortified, the way she felt in her dreams of being naked in public, or the dreams when she's back in college and hadn't gone to class for months and is terrified she won't graduate. How had she been so preoccupied that she hadn't even known what day it was? Turning into the school parking lot, she was still shocked to see only a single car parked by the back entrance. The panic wasn't in her imagination. She had actually forgotten this was Christmas week. Then she saw him. Eduardo was sitting alone on the curb, his little backpack by his feet. Maddie wheeled around and stopped the car right in front of him. Hey there, Eduardo. Maddie smiled as big as she could to cover the quivering in the corner of her mouth. Hi, Miss Johnson. There's no school today. I know. Isn't it great? I'll get to spend the whole day just with you. Really? You'll spend the whole day just with me? Eduardo's eyes and mouth got very big. Of course. We'll have a great time. We can go over your writing assignments if you want and even have a nice lunch together. I'm all yours. Eduardo smiled so big, exposing teeth that badly needed braces she doubted he would ever get. I wasn't sure you were coming, he said breathlessly. But you're here. He hopped up off the curb and stood expectantly next to her, waiting for a signal of whether they would go into the school or get in the car. Okay, let me park this bad boy a little better and we'll head right in. Maddie pulled the truck into one of the spaces right in front. She grabbed her purse and papers she wouldn't need, then saw the two huge boxes of cookies on the back seat. Picking the top one up, she balanced it in her left hand as she swung the door closed. I even got us a goodie. A goodie? More Christmas cookies. Do you think your mom would mind? Nah, can I have one now? Sure. Maybe we can even rustle up some milk around here somewhere. It felt strange and good to be in the school all by themselves. The halls echoed as they walked to room 103, Miss Johnson's fifth grade classroom. Maddie heard a dull sound in the distance and thought it must be the janitor polishing the floors in another part of the school. That must have been his car in the parking lot by the back door. But she thought he drove a truck. Hmm. Maddie felt herself shaking just slightly as she drove to the appointment with Con and Dr. Theron. She thought maybe she should stop and get something to put in her stomach, but she didn't want to be late. Shake it off, she thought. You can do this, she encouraged herself out loud. As the blocks passed, she began to feel a sense of dread. Maybe it was a lingering feeling of the sadness of Eduardo's home. The obvious neglect there made the house seem like a steam room, heavy and hard to breathe in. Plus, the guy on the Lazy Boy had her wondering, had she ever met that guy before? Had she seen him around town somewhere? She thought maybe she had seen him at a party back before she and Robert had married. It was a party one of the girls in her French class had invited her to. She remembered feeling uncomfortable there. She turned onto 200 North and saw Con's Jeep parked in front of a small house that was being used as an office. The light was on in the window. She saw the plaque to the right of the front door. Dr. Mina Theron. It all looked official enough. Maddie sat in her SUV for a moment, then realized they would have heard her pull up, so she turned the engine off and got out. She wasn't sure whether to knock or just open the door, so she knocked and then opened the door tentatively. Dr. Theron greeted her at the door. Hello, you must be Maddie. Yes, hello, Dr. Theron. That's me. Come on in. 
The doctor was younger than she had imagined. She had pictured a woman with long gray hair, maybe in a bun and a full skirt. Dr. Theron wore jeans, a soft blue T-shirt, and thick socks inside of large suede-looking sandals. She was thin, but wide at the hips, with short blonde hair that appeared to need no styling whatsoever. She looked outdoorsy, maybe a hiker, slightly tan even in December, with a vigorousness about her. The office was different than Maddie had pictured, too. She had imagined lots of plants and Indian artifacts on the wall. It was clean and sparse, small enough for only three chairs, or it would have seemed overstuffed. One chair was positioned near the door, two facing it and turned slightly in toward each other. Con was already seated in the chair in the corner. Hi, Maddie said when their eyes met. Hey, he seemed withdrawn. Did he change his mind about wanting to be here after all? Okay, the doctor began after everyone was seated. Tell me why you're here. Maddie waited for Con to begin. He stared at her for a few seconds, long enough to make her uncomfortable. She didn't like prolonged silences. Well, I guess I'll start then. Maddie was unsure of what she should say. Con and I have a very intense and tumultuous relationship that sort of came to a head Friday night. Because you misinterpreted what you saw, Con threw in. Maddie looked to the doctor for help. Okay, Con, Dr. Theron said to Con softly. Let's let Maddie say what she's thinking, and then you'll have ample time to share your point of view, too, and we'll go from there, okay? Con hesitated. Sure, yeah, he conceded. Maddie began again. We fight constantly, which is so unlike me. I don't know if it's unlike Khan and his other relationships, but I'm not a fighter. I don't think either of us is quite sure why we're together or, frankly, why we're here. And let me just say, with no disrespect to you, Dr. Theron, call me Mina, she interjected. Mina, let me just say that coming to see you was Khan's idea. Not that I'm against it, but I thought you should know the genesis of our being here. Khan made a slight snorting sound. Maddie ignored him and kept going. I don't know why our relationship is so intense. I mean, we've only known each other a few months. I know to an outsider it would make no sense at all why we're together, why I got divorced, why we fight like we do, why we are so drawn to each other. I don't know the answer to any of it. Maddie shook her head, baffled. Start with what happened Friday that brought you here, Dr. Theron urged. Well, he had invited me to go to his company Christmas party Friday night. I planned on it, actually uh, looking forward to it. I hurried home from work, got in the bathtub, and Con walked in to inform me that significant others were no longer welcome at the party. All of a sudden, it was for employees only. I did not walk in on you in the bathroom, Con protested. I didn't mean walk into the bathroom. I mean, you walked in the house and just announced that I was no longer welcome two hours before the party started. Khan looked on the verge of contradicting her when she forged ahead. It was just too much. I couldn't take the disrespect of it. I mean, the lie was so obvious. I thought, how stupid does he think I am? It was just like the straw that broke me after weeks of coldness and insecurity, which is not my fault. Khan finally couldn't contain himself. We're going to get to all of that, Khan. We have plenty of time here. Let's just hear Maddie out, the doctor directed again. Maddie continued. So after Khan left, I got a wild hair and drove up to Brian Head and found the party. 
It took every bit of courage I could muster to walk in there, which I did. And then I saw him with his arm around another patient of yours, Gina. Maddie said her name with a scowl. When Khan sees me, he drops his arm and comes over to head me off at the pass and tell me it wasn't what it looked like, blah, blah, blah. I felt myself falling, just falling. Falling where, the doctor prompted. Falling out of love, out of my mind, out of the pain of this relationship. So... I left, I drove home, I sat up all night talking to a friend and woke up to find Khan sitting in his Jeep in my driveway. Who were you talking to? Khan asked, annoyed. Maddie ignored him. I let Khan in and he suggested we go see a counselor. He told me he wasn't hurting me, that only I could hurt me and that we should go to a therapist and find a way to work it out. Maddie stopped sharply like a skier at the bottom of a hill, then wrapped up. So that's why we're here. All right, good. That's a good place to start. Dr. Theron looked over at Khan. So, why did you want to come see me? Because I can't get the thoughts out of my head. Khan's voice sounded strange, unlike any tone Maddie ever heard him use before. Go on, the doctor said calmly. Thoughts of death. What? Maddie said, shocked. He never mentioned anything about death to her. Dr. Theron interrupted. Maddie, let's just let Khan share his thoughts now, and then we'll have plenty of time for you to respond. She was doing it to her now. Dr. Theron looked over at Khan and waited for him to resume. From the moment I met Maddie, I knew I was in her life for a reason. You know what I mean? Maddie would have smiled, but her face wouldn't allow it. She just lit me up. We met at the green show of the Shakespearean Festival. I saw her from across the way and felt pulled to her like some gravitational field. Then I met her husband, and I knew that that relationship was short-lived, but I didn't know how short-lived. She got divorced like the next day, and we started spending a lot of time together. He paused to make sure he still had their attention. But then the thoughts started, these thoughts of Death. Death surrounding Maddie, her death, my own death. I started to feel like I couldn't hear her when she talked, like she couldn't communicate with the living anymore. It was freaking me out. It is freaking me out. I go for drives sometimes just to keep the thoughts away. Con paused, looking at Maddie to see what effect his words were having, but she wouldn't return his gaze. She was staring into her lap. He looked to Dr. Theron, then back to Maddie. Maybe it's like those Shakespeare plays you love so much. We have some kind of tragic destiny with each other. When she did finally look up at him, Maddie's expression was outrage. She did not speak. What did you say once? Death once dead, there's no more dying then? All I know is I never used to think about death, dream about death, and now I am preoccupied with it. You're preoccupied with yourself. Maddie couldn't hold back anymore. He ignored her and turned to Dr. Theron. Why would I suddenly start having all these thoughts about death? They're all tied to Maddie, not to anybody else in my life. And I don't feel fear around it at all. I'm not afraid to die. Then Khan added with a very proud tone, It's freeing, you know, not being afraid of death.